Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Why, hello there, friends. Welcome to Heart of Dating Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Warman, and I'm really excited to invite you back today for this amazing episode. As you guys know, we are right now in the middle of COVID-19, which has affected all of us in very unique ways. And so we decided during this time to bring back some incredible episodes from the past that really relate to this specific time and dating in the pandemic. So today we're bringing back an episode from one of our favorite couples, Addison and Julie Bevere. In this episode, we talk about their story of long distance dating and some of their best tips for how to manage long distance relationships. We wanted to bring back this episode since during quarantine, many of you are now navigating how to date digitally and even trying to figure out how to date long distance. Also on this point, if you guys didn't already know, we just last week launched our digital dating platform called Drop the Hanky Digital Dating. This is a platform featuring videos of single Christian men from around the world. Now we wanna encourage you to not give up on dating even in quarantine, and that's why we launched this program during this time. So two things, if you're a single woman and wanna meet some amazing single guys and drop the hanky, and you are open to where they're located, then you can join us by going to bit.ly forward slash drop the hanky, and you can join our program by paying a one-time fee of $9. Now, conversely, if you are a single dude, or if you know amazing eligible Christian single dudes, then we'd love to invite you to nominate them or nominate yourself. You can do that by going to bit.ly forward slash single dude. You guys, I know this takes a lot, especially for the dudes to submit a video of themselves, but I promise you, you do not have to be Christopher Nolan to create a fun personality video. Just give it a shot. See what happens. Have fun with it. Of course, there may be guys in your area, but there also may not be guys in your area. So ladies, be open, be patient. We are adding new guys frequently. But not only that, with today's episode on long distance dating, we wanna encourage everyone to be open and even consider long distance dating. So with that being said, here's the episode today with the incredible Addison and Julie Bevere. Addison and Julie, you guys, welcome to Heart of Dating today. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Absolutely. Thank you, Kate. You guys are so welcome. I'm actually a huge fan of the Buffier family because I also, I don't know if you guys knew this, but I also had Alec and Arden on to talk about really? being, yes, they cool. they yeah, they came on to talk about being uh, single men dating as millennials. And so that was a lot of fun to chat with them. But you guys are kind of the experts in the family in terms of the brothers, right, Addison? And because you guys, you're the oldest and you guys have been obviously the only ones actually married. Of yeah. In your family. Married yep. for 10 years in October. Yeah. And you guys have kids, right? Yeah. Yeah, we have four. Oh, my word. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Ages eight, seven, four, and almost two. Yeah. Good Ooh. job. Wow. That's incredible. <laughs> girls and boys? Yeah, two, girls, two and two. Boys. Oh, that's per- so perfect awesome. Perfect mix. Yeah. 
we yeah we, we've got it good that's so fun that's awesome and you guys all lived like close to one another so you do probably lots of family things right lots of family support that's so exciting yeah, we do. Yeah. I mean, my parents, they travel a ton, Yeah, but most of us are in the, in town quite a bit. So we get to do a lot with family. Yeah. That's so awesome. You guys are spoiled for sure. Yeah. Yeah. My family <laughs> lives all the way in Texas, sadly. So I don't get to go out there too the often. Great state of Texas. Right. Yeah. It's like yes. the great country of Texas. Shit, let's be it real. Is. That's what they think down there. I love it. Don't ever say anything disparaging about Texan. Yeah. That's no. my ethnicity as well, Texan. Yeah. Is it? I love it. You're you're born a Texan, so it's like I'm your birth certificate. It's not an American. You're a Texan. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it down in Texas. So, all right, y'all, I want to jump right in and I want to talk about your dating story and, and your relationship and... And I know we've chatted before this and you've shared with me a little bit about your dating story and it is a bit unconventional, but it has some really incredible takeaways, especially of dating long distance, of discipline, of trust and and true commitment. So would you guys just start quickly by sharing a little bit about your story with us? Yeah, definitely. We, um, we'll we'll give you the condensed version, um, we, I was coming straight out of a completely non-Christian lifestyle, just mm. planning on continuing from high school into college and basically, you know, let the good times roll. And in that, I, it produced a lot of hopelessness inside mm. of me around the same time that I met Addison. Yeah. And quickly, you're right. It was a week. week. Very fast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes, very fast. <laughs> we kind of laid it all out there. We're pretty much ready to get married by day five of the relationship. Yeah. Oh my and, gosh. Um, you guys just knew. Sometimes knew. when you know, you know, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But we didn't get married till what? 16 months later. Yeah. Because after that, um, the Lord took me in particular into a time of placing our relationship on an altar where mm. there was nine months where we couldn't date. Cause I had entered into a, um, Bible school type program and they were really strict. super legalistic. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't yeah. exist anymore because it was cultish. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. 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 Doesn't sound like the <laughs> ideal situation. Okay. No. <laughs> it wasn't, but God used it. He, yeah. he can use all sorts of things to exactly. do good things in our lives. Yeah. yeah so that. we, um, we just really were able to trust that if this was truly from God and his best for us, he would give it back. And he did. And we got married just five months after I graduated from that nine month program. And um, yeah, everything happened so quickly. Um, but I think it was that pause button almost yeah. was such a gift from the Lord yeah. because it did, it, it didn't only establish discipline where, um, we were separated and God was established as first in both of our lives in a way that he hadn't had the opportunity to before because we hadn't had anything so valuable to, to give to him as our relationship was to us. Yeah. We really had to lay it down. We would say it all the time. Like this is our Isaac. Mm. This is that Isaac moment in our relationship in our lives because we knew we wanted to get married, but then we spent nine months. We, were, we weren't even allowed to talk to each other. Yeah. Wow. So I wasn't even allowed to send her letters. She wasn't allowed to send me Facebook messages, nothing. And wow. uh, and so God built our relationship despite 
the absence despite the distance. Mm-hmm. And Kate, get this. We had long distance dated yeah. up to that point, And I actually oh. lived in the same city as Addison to oh, do the Bible oh school where we weren't allowed to date. Oh my gosh. So you're like, Addison, you could be like passing around where she oh, yeah. is, but be like, there she is, but I can't right. do anything. Like, exactly. like, holding like if out I your saw arm. her in public, I had to avoid her. Oh, or we would just gosh. stare at each other real pathetic. Like, <laughs> wow. Hey. <I> love you. <laughs> so if anyone is in that situation right now, we would advise running. Okay. Yeah, um, something like that. Yeah. But, okay. Very unconventional, as we said, but you guys knew obviously very quickly that there was something to really be committed to. So what were some of the, and something I say honestly to um, now and after a lot of dating relationships I've had is a prayer of mine is like, God, will you ignite it on the other person's heart that they would just Mm. know in, in the core of their being that this is someone that they fiercely want to pursue, even if it's rough or tough, or if things, if there's hurdles in the way that it would be an ignition on both of our hearts. And so Mm. it seems to me that God did that for you guys at the beginning. And so what were some of the key things, I guess, that the two of you look for that were clear that made you really want to stay committed during those nine months apart? I know for me, it was that there was something so different about the way Addison even went about Christianity. Everyone who I had interacted with up to that point who called themselves Christians, it was much more a lip service than a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And so seeing that in him, he, I just knew like he was someone special. Mm -hmm. I felt then, and I even feel now like I had won the lottery. Mm -hmm. And for me, those nine months um, were so much more about like tangible growth in my life and also an opportunity to really put God first. Cause in the midst of those five days of falling in love, I also committed my life to the Lord in a, a real way and missionary dating. Yeah. It's a real thing. <laughs> I just think speak all about it. <laughs> yeah. And it was experiencing the Holy spirit for the first time. And so wow. all of that combined with falling in love with Addison really as uh, special as it was, was a recipe for disaster. If we had gone yeah, straight into a absolutely. marriage where mm-hmm. he was my gateway to God, mm-hmm. if you will. Yes. Yeah. So that for me was really one of the big opportunities that yeah. came out of those nine months of wanting so desperately to just cling to him in a way that I would as a husband, but knowing it just wasn't time yet. That's actually, and also, yeah. Yeah. And knowing that there, we would pay for it. Yeah. Like the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. Mm, mm-hmm. That's so true. So for me during that time, it was very much a knowing. Like I'm not here endorsing missionary dating, yeah. although it does seem to happen in the Bevere family. <laughs> it seems to be a Bevere thing. All my brothers are dating girls who've been Christians for a long time. But I just had this peace with Julie. Mm-hmm. And it was an inexplicable peace that I had with her. And I would drive home after spending time with her and I would sense the presence of God in such a strong way. I was like, God, can this really be your will for my life? Like, what is this peace that surpasses all understanding? And so as that peace began to grow in me, I knew, okay, I need to continue to invest in this relationship and really explore what God is doing here. And so for me, that was, that was a thing is this piece. And I also had more than any other person that I'd ever met in my life. I had a profound desire to lay my life down for her. I'm a very 
early point in the relationship. Like I want to spend the rest of my life. I know this sounds crazy, but I want to spend the rest of my life laying my life down for this person. And I navigate so many conversations with young people looking to get married. And it's like, well, I don't know if this person meets everything on my list, or I don't know if this person's going to make me happy. And I asked them, I say, you know, what? you're really asking the wrong questions. The question you need to answer is, am I willing to lay my life down for this person in the context of marriage? Oh, that is so good because the happiness thing too, like marriage, we say it, marriage is more about making you holy than about making you happy. It's about sanctification. And so I'm so glad that you challenged people on that. I hope that that is just so encouraging for people. Okay. So for you guys, your commitment and relationship process was obviously quite fast, but so what would you say for, you know, obviously not your time of you know, apart, but finding out and knowing in the beginning that this is something you really wanted to commit to and knowing within kind of four days. So what would you, what kind of advice would you provide for people that maybe don't know that quickly, right? What? Because- Everyone has to know in four days. <laughs> Otherwise it's not, it's not of God. Oh clearly. my gosh. Cause obviously we don't want to be those kinds of Christians that are like, you need to know sign within the first few days. Right. Okay. Yeah. And neither of us were like that too. Like I'm yeah. a very methodical person. And the girl I had dated before Julie, like I, I wouldn't even really express my feelings to her or say anything. And she was a great girl for a long time, but it was so strange. Like there's a bizarre sense of peace and just a green light in our relationship. And in hindsight, it was because of the season that Julie was in. So, but I would tell people all of that peace. And, and, and someone asked me recently, like, should I date someone if they might not be the one? And I was like, wait a second. If you know that they're not the one, don't date them. Don't allow the relationship to progress. But mm-hmm. if you have a piece, if you continue to get in the relationship and you see like, hey, there's a future here, and then allow the relationship to bud and allow it to grow. So sometimes it takes time. I mean, I've seen people who have amazing marriages who allowed those marriages to marinate, if you will, during that season of dating. Yeah. And the bottom line is if, if you don't face off with those things, like those question marks, those challenges, those conflicts, the things that come when you fuse two lives in the engagement season, you're going to face or in the dating season, you're going to face them in the married season. Yeah. Like you're going to face them eventually. And one of my brothers, he actually, I, I tell him this all the time. I say, Austin, you've, you've navigated a lot of things during your season of dating that most people don't navigate until they're married. Mm. And because of that, your season of marriage, that first season of marriage, which is so hard for so many people, is going to be much easier yeah. because you've had to answer questions that most people are unwilling to answer or have conversations that most people are willing to have until after they're married. Mm. That's so good. I say that quite frequently too, that dating is a time to really learn and grow so much as individuals and in our singleness. It's one, a time for us to grow more self-aware and know what we believe about God and the world and answer burning questions that we don't really understand. And then it also is a time to, to date and actually learn from dating what is important to us and how to navigate really difficult situations and even communication situations, because we all have different ways of communicating and that often comes up when you're dating. Um, yeah. So, okay. Now I get a lot of questions on this specific topic and obviously it's something that you guys clearly navigated, but everyone is always asking me about long distance. So I love to ask y'all if there's advice that you have specifically for couples doing long distance, since that was a big part of your relationship and, and really what you guys think about communication, obviously a long distance, how, how much you need of it. What are just some of the keys to success when you're doing long distance relationships? Yeah, I would say a few of the keys to success is 
not constantly texting Hmm. or direct messaging. I mean, there are so many means of communication now that it's so true. There's so many. Yeah. And the availability, Yeah, like Mm. you're long distance dating. So you still have a very full life apart from that person. Yeah. And so I think recognizing that you can't be in constant contact Mm. with that person. Mm. I think it should be primarily phone calls and, or Skype or whatever, doing it face to face as much as you can over the phone, as much as you can. And don't force it. Right. Don't. I feel like sometimes you have to have a four hour phone call every day. Yeah, Otherwise you don't really like each other. And you're falling asleep and it's like, Uh, it just really drains the energy out of a relationship. Yeah. I totally agree. Like you have to give that much, especially if it's just not at that place yet. Yeah. Yeah. If you're at the place where you have really short conversations, let it be where it's at. Don't Mm -hmm. force it to be something bigger. Mm -hmm. Like I, I think too, there's too much opportunity for, evaluation, which can sound kind of funny, but you're constantly like, should I be long distance dating? I think people feel like it's so much heavier Mm -hmm. than someone local, but I think it's an excellent opportunity to just get to know people with an elimination of that physical, um, distraction. Yeah. That's what it, what it can be a lot of times in the early stages. Yeah. I would caution people too, doing long distance dating, make sure you're talking about the hard stuff. I think sometimes people don't, they don't want to do that because they're not in person. Mm-hmm. And then when they do have those short windows where they get to spend together in person, like they don't want to talk about hard stuff. They don't mm-hmm. want to talk about stuff that could cause a fight or a disagreement. And so you have to be willing to navigate the hard stuff over the phone sometimes when you're doing a long distance relationship and be, yeah. you just have to be okay with that. Yeah. yeah. Especially if it's moving to that stage of seriousness. Absolutely. Like yeah. don't jump the gun and start having those conversations before they're necessary. Day one. Yeah. No, that's yeah. a part of, that's a part of the filtering process. Day <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah. You go through every single hard question. Absolutely. Oh my God. Are you, are you trying to keep the people single? Or? <laughs> are you going to try to like get them out of here right now? They're all like, no, thank you. No more dating. Yeah, all, all those, the- all those controversial theological stuff. Yeah. No. Oh How my many kids God. you want? I mean, all of it. That's, that's first date material. Oh Absolutely. my God. He's, he's a little out of practice. <laughs> Thankfully, we are going to just say that he's, joking on that one everyone don't freak out <laughs> i am joking please don't take me seriously i love it okay so question though to that because this has personally come up for me and for other people just in long distance i've done long distance in the past but what if you find that your love language or communication style is so different from one another like one person just really hates talking on the phone or really hates texting and the other person is like well i need that to feel um in communication or feel connected to you and intimate with you. Do you think that that means you should avoid long distance? Like what, I mean, I don't know what your guys's communication style was and if it just worked for you, but if you have any input for that, because I do get people that ask about that quite frequently. So I'm curious. I mean, I will say I don't love talking on the phone. Mm -hmm. And so it was, um, sometimes boring. Not that Addison was boring, but for me, it was just like, I would do something else at the same time. Or, How dare you? I know. How dare you? <laughs> true this, well, this women tend to be wow. like multitaskers too. So Julie, I'm all with you. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, multitasking is an illusion. 
<laughs> just like just like you can't really be efficient. Something that you're doing, something that you're gonna that you're doing is gonna be compromised by multitasking. But then we would be person, and it would be like <laughs> all I don't know. It would just completely disappear for me because I am a more face to face, quality time type relationship person. Um, but I would almost say to the love languages portion of that. I just feel like for us specifically for those nine months of separation, when none of our love languages were being fulfilled mm-hmm. yet, somehow, they're all deactivated. Exactly. Yeah. Somehow we ended that period more in love and more sure of one another. Yeah, When you we weren't were talking before. at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it was, you know, three times as long as we had actually dated yeah. wow. that we were separated. Wow. Yeah. I just feel like you have to trust the Lord. Hmm. Yeah. You have to know that, beyond your own fulfillment in those areas, if it's God, it's just going to work. Yeah. And I think there's value in, in having different love languages. Yeah. I think that's a, yeah. a false way to measure compatibility because if you have different love languages. Yeah. yeah Cause the, totally. whole, the whole idea is if, if we are doing relationships, right. Whether it's with our friends or with a future spouse, the whole idea is relationships are supposed to make us, more whole, more complete, better versions of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so when you have the perspective that comes with doing life with someone, Mm -hmm. you're seeing how they convey love, how they receive love. It challenges your idea of ways to show love, ways to show affection, way to communicate how you're feeling. So I think there's a lot of value in having different love languages, different style of communication. It's just important to communicate like, Hey, this is what I need from you Mm. in a relational context. Like, could you do more of this? Mm. Yeah. That's really good. Uh, I think so. Okay. So what we got from that is you don't have to have the exact same communication style. It's just important to be open and honest about what it is that you do need and be on the same page about that and come to maybe like uh, negotiation or a middle ground. If you have totally two different opposite kinds of love languages or communication styles. So just being open and honest about it and always, and always being prayerful about it, bringing it to the Lord and making sure you're trusting in him through the entire process. Absolutely. And that type of vulnerability is such a good, like it can be scary, but it's a very good gauge for where that person is at. You're talking about telling someone like, Hey, what you're doing is not cutting it. Exactly. Like, that's very vulnerable. Exactly. Most people will just them, be like, I've got mm. the shoulders to take this. I'm not going to say anything. Exactly. Or like, I just want to be a selfless person. So I'm mm. just, it is selfless to put yourself out there to be vulnerable that's and good, say Julie. what you're doing is not enough for me. And then you can gauge their level of, um, commitment, commitment, um, ability for self-sacrifice mm-hmm. by making changes or not making changes. Yeah. So you have nothing to lose. So this is just a, coming to my mind right now, but in that, I totally agree with you. So in that, if you do that, right. And you do express like, this is a need of mine and I'm being vulnerable and I'm letting you into something. Um, you know, sometimes what I found and e- this goes either way, but I, I have had a lot of conversations with at least girlfriends of mine who have had that kind of a conversation with their boyfriend and the guy will, will immediately go to, I'm not good enough. I'm a failure. I'm not meeting your needs. I don't know what to do. So I don't, I, do you guys have any, um, advice for those kinds of reactions for either the woman who may be getting that reaction or the guy who may be saying that, what, what do you guys think about that? To me, that that sounds like a cop out. 
yeah. and a bit like manipulation. And, mm-hmm. and it's a very self-centric response too, yeah. and a defeated response, a victim mm-hmm. mentality response, which you really don't want to have that in a relationship. No. Yeah. You don't want to commit your life to someone who has a fixed mentality, like, oh, this is who I am. This is who I'll always be. Because that gets really challenging when you're navigating the different dynamics that life is going to throw at you. Right. So if someone gave me that response, like one of my team members or one of my kids, or Julie said something to me like that, I would, I would immediately go back at them and say, Hey, by making this all about you, you're actually missing out on the growth opportunity here. Mm, yeah. And what that does is it communicates to the person like, look, I have vision for your life. I see that there's more in you than even what you see in yourself at this moment. And I'm not, not going to allow you to use that as a cop out. Mm, that is so good. And so the one last thing I'll just say on that point is that I think it is important for whoever is stating their need to always do so in a way that doesn't condemn the other person, right? Where you're not attacking the other person or trying to disrespect them. So that is one something something I'll say because I, I do think there's a caveat in just people listening. If someone's sharing their needs, if they are saying it in an attacking way, that's like, you're not meeting my needs and you're this and you're that and you're, you know, there's definitely a way that that can be framed up way more gently because in that, sure. if it is framed up like that, then the other person's respect or uh, response might be, that that they feel disrespected so they may go to the failure or victim mentality because yep. of that yeah. so it is still very yeah. important even how we word it and gently and kindly and with love our needs right well yeah well and, and paul says to speak the truth in love and right the first exactly. attribute of love is patience mm-hmm. and so i think in the relational context patience looks like you have a willingness to see something in someone beyond what they can see in themselves in that present. And that means you don't just flat out say like, you're a terrible person, you need to get your stuff together. But as someone who's in relationship with them, you're like, hey, I'm not going to believe this about you. And so I'm going to carefully and patiently navigate this with you in a way that you can hear. Hey friend, popping in here for a quick break in the episode today. I got a question for you. Do you want some extra community and support during this time? Well, if you do, I want to encourage you to take your relationship with us to the next level and join what we're doing in our Heart of Dating community. You can join the party over on Instagram at, at Heart of Dating, where we post helpful and encouraging content almost every single day. And we also love hearing from you in our private DMs, and we interact with just about every single DM that we get. Now, another way you can connect with us is to go to Facebook by visiting facebook.com forward slash heart of dating. You can like our Facebook page, check out what we're doing over there, and then you can even request to join our private heart of dating Facebook community. You can do that by going to the left-hand side of the heart of dating Facebook page, clicking groups and selecting the private group and filling out a few questions to join. Now, there's one more thing that I want to share with you. That's an incredibly helpful resource during this time. Right now, more than ever, we've been inundated with extreme changes, and it might be causing levels of confusion, grief, and even fear and anxiety within your life. I got to speak for myself personally, and I know that I've been struggling with an abnormal amount of fear and anxiety in this season. So something that's really helped me at the moment has been being able to actually talk to someone who can truly help me sort through all the things I'm thinking and feeling. So for me, that looks like going to therapy. And specifically in this moment, I love going to Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is a faith-based online therapy network that incorporates Christian principles, prayer, and spiritual practices. 
To find the therapist that's right for you and your needs, you just have to fill out a quick form and you'll get connected with the therapist in under 24 hours. You can log in to your Faithful Counseling account at any time. You can send a message to your counselor and you can also schedule weekly video or phone sessions and do it all virtually from the comfort of your home. Another thing that I love about Faithful Counseling is that financial aid is available. And not only that, it's pretty affordable already. So guys, if you've been looking to try out therapy, and especially right now, if you just are finding yourself really confused and needing to process some things, then I encourage you to consider trying out Faithful Counseling. And for Heart of Dating listeners, you get 10% off your first month by going to getfaithful.com forward slash heart of dating. That's getfaithful.com forward slash heart of dating. All right, guys, back to the episode. Okay, so we're going to switch gears here for a second, and I want to ask you why you think discipline is so important, because you guys clearly had to have a lot of discipline in your relationship and being patient and all of that. So why is that so important? And and a second tandem question would be, what are discipline practices we can implement as singles that, you know, will set us up for successful relationships? Yeah. Well, I think discipline has such a bad connotation, mm-hmm. but discipline is simply exchanging a short-term negative for a long-term positive. Ooh, that's that's, that's all it is. Like when you look at discipline, whether it's working out or developing a skill set, it's exchanging a short-term negative, a loss of time, uh, pushing your body, exerting more energy than you're used to exerting, whatever it may be, because you have a vision for something that's bigger than the present. Yeah. And so when you don't have a compelling why, discipline is just work. Yeah. And let's, I mean, let's just be real. Like people don't like work without purpose. Yeah. Right. In fact, like the whole idea is like, of um, futility is like work without gain. Like no one wants that. that mm-hmm. That's a terrible reality. And so you have to have perspective for the relationship, a compelling why, a vision of what your life could look like in order to embrace discipline. Otherwise it's just work. Yeah. Mm. So, so the tandem question, um, I would say start to do the things in this season of waiting um, and start to become the things that you want to see define your season of marriage. Yeah. So I see people oftentimes say, well, when this changes in my life, then I'm going to start doing X, Y, or Z. And I tell them like, no, like if you need to start, start practicing those behaviors, whatever it may be in this season now, because you never know when a season's going to change. Right. Seasons change overnight. You can meet someone tomorrow who ends up being the person you spend the rest of your life with. And if you have the mentality of, no, I'm actually going to wait until things change before I start implementing some of these things in my own life that I know are going to lead me um, to become the person I want to be, then oftentimes that change happens and you find yourself unprepared for what's Mm -hmm. next. So whether that's spiritually, emotionally, physically, start becoming the person today that you want to meet and the person that you want to be when you're married. And very tangibly do those things, you know, to do Yeah. Yeah. like when I am feeling blah and want to like get into a new fitness regimen, I'll go on Pinterest or I'll start looking at different, you know, fitness models on Instagram for inspiration. And then very recently, I just realized like, I know exactly what to do. You eat more vegetables, (laughs) you move your body and you drink more water. Like do things that you know to do and stop looking for some kind of a formula because if you were just implementing 
what you already knew to do, it would take up the space that Mm. you're trying to fill Mm. with some like magical recipe for success. Right. That that pill that cures everything. Yeah. The product that fixes everything. Right. Do what you know to do. Do yeah. the hard stuff. You got to do the hard work. And when it comes to love, I think it's so important that we practice the discipline of love in our own lives. So seeking a, a deep and true love of Jesus, like what does that look like for us? How do we tangibly seek that if we're feeling low and lonely, right? If we are really feeling lonely in our singlehood, you know, making sure to press into deeper prayer and get more intimacy with Jesus, making sure that you have scheduled nights with your friends where you feel like you're in deep community, making sure you practice these things so that when someone does step into your life, you're not fulfilling that hole of love just with that person. You're already as full of a person and complete of a person as you possibly can be before meeting that other person. And I think something that we also... uh, just don't really practice in terms of discipline or some of the spiritual disciplines, right? Like making sure that um, you're not waiting for someone else to come into your life and fix you. So making sure that you're going into healing and you're seeking, you know, scripture reading is one as a spiritual discipline and seeking healing and taking silence and solitude for yourself. And actually, what does that look like for you? Uh, I, I love when you, and I see people entering into relationships and s- someone else knows how to do all those things. The other person does it. And immediately there it's, yeah, it's like the savior com- um, mentality, I guess. But mm-hmm. try, I always encourage, I guess, to try to do those things as much in singleness as possible. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Cause being lonely and being alone are not the same thing. Yeah, A lot of people in our world are surrounded by people Mm -hmm. and they feel lonely. So, So, I mean, being alone is, it truly is a gift. It is. Mm -hmm. And if you started to view it that way and actually, like you said, silence and solitude, like it is rare in our world and you need to, to take hold of it. And if you don't have it, create it. Yeah. Prioritize it because Mm -hmm. that is where you will hear directly from the Lord who you are, mm-hmm. and then you go out and you be that person. Mm-hmm. It's not, you're not going to hear who you are out there and then come to Jesus and be like, aren't you so proud of me? <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm awesome. They yeah. said I'm awesome. Yeah, yeah. We need to make that time in, in space. And I think it allows us for so much more clarity also by having those disciplines in relationship to hear more clearly from the Lord about someone that you're with. If you have disciplines in place where you're clear, sure. where you feel like you're clearly hearing, hearing from God, you can be confident that when you're in relationship, you will still have that kind of clarity That's versus right. if you go in without it, then you're like, uh, is this God or is this just my thought right now? Like what is happening? You know? Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. so true. Yeah. And what about, okay. So this is a topic obviously. And what about discipline in, in like physical intimacy? Because this, question gets thrown around a ton and I I like always ask people (laughs) it's just the hardest one for people obviously as singles especially as people get older there it's it's harder and harder to be disciplined in physical intimacy you want to do this one (laughs) um you can start (laughs) (laughs) well I have I have two brothers that are navigating this season and one of the things that I tell them constantly is keep it vertical like the moment, the moment the things go horizontal, it, it gets difficult. And, you know, we, we often have this mentality of like, how close can I get to the line without crossing it? Yeah. And the reality is if you take that approach to physical intimacy prior to marriage, like you are going to cross that line. Yeah. Mm. 
whatever it is, whatever your line is, whether you say, oh, we only want to make out or we only want to go this far, that far, like you will cross that line if you make your goal getting as close to the line as possible. Yeah, and so I think it goes back to the whole idea of having this compelling why, this vision um, for your relationship. And so what um, what I would encourage people to do is to be very clear, obviously communicate boundaries. So that's a yeah. conversation that needs to be had and those boundaries need to be respected. And there needs to be a, a known violation when those boundaries are broken. Like mm-hmm. that needs to be understood. Like I, if Julie set a boundary and I crossed that boundary, I need to know that I crossed it and she needs to know that I crossed it. And there needs to be conversation around that. Yeah. Um, so and I think conversation with people who you are slightly terrified of. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. When we, Bring when we were set. dating and engaged, yeah. our accountability partners were people who would like laugh. They would laugh. And when we were telling we like, were like, oh, hey, we went to, we went yeah, further than we wanted to. Yeah, we went further than we wanted to. They'd be like, ha ha, we did the same thing. Oh, and God, in hindsight, yeah. I'm like, I feel like that happens a lot in mm-hmm. accountability and yeah. the dating and engaged yep. where people are just using it as like, oh yeah, I can relate. We did the same thing and everyone laughs about it. Yeah. But the truth so true, is really, like, yep. sex is a beautiful gift in marriage. Mm-hmm. But if you toe that line when you're dating and engaged, yeah. and this is something I can say from experience yeah. with our laughing accountability, yeah. it took us longer to get to the place where our intimacy was a safe space mm. than it would have had we been just wiser. more vigilant with our boundaries. Yeah. yeah like we, you know, staying up at an hour together where everyone else, oh, the just, world seems like it's asleep and it's just the two of you. Stuff's going to happen. Gonna happen. If, and if you do alone, that again yeah. and again yep. and again, I mean, cause you're, yep. you're programmed, you're programmed to continue that journey. And so if you continue to put yourself in that place, it gets, it's the only thing really in the world that one moment isn't God's best for your life. And then the next minute is absolutely wonderful and blessed yeah. and beautiful and a huge part of your relationship. Mm-hmm. So you have to be really careful with how you navigate. And we saw that in our dynamic is like, yes, like technically we didn't have sex before we were married and stuff, but we, we went further than we said we wanted to go as a couple. Mm. And that did affect us. Mm. That affected us after we were married Yeah, because we knew like we didn't respect the boundaries that we had set in place for our relationship. And that's the, that's the other thing I would tell people, you know, scripture tells us to flee temptation, not yeah. to resist temptation. Yeah. And so if you, if you continue away. to put yourself in a position where you're having to resist temptation, you, you will, give in. It will happen. Like no one. And, and it's hard because you feel like you're rejecting someone that you shouldn't reject. Mm. I remember that was something that we navigated is like when one of us was the one pushing the boundary, mm-hmm. the other person felt like well, I'm rejecting them. I'm rejecting their desire for intimacy, their desire for connection. And that is really difficult. Yeah. Especially you- when you know, this is the person you want to give your, the rest of your life. Yes. to. So I would tell people, don't put yourself in a position where you're going to be constantly tempted. Yeah. And so what that looks like is have, have a curfew. I know this sounds so childish. No, I'm all about the curfew. Mm-hmm. Have, have a curfew. Say, hey, nothing good happens after this time. Um, <laughs> yep. our, our decision-making ability is compromised after this time. We've seen it. So at this time, we're going our separate ways, or we're just going to make sure we're not alone yeah. after this time. And then, um, and then also have clear physical boundaries. I would pray into that and talk about it. And, and that needs to be clearly understood. And I would recommend people to share that with someone else. Hey, this is our boundary. We, 
we want, we're okay with this. We're not okay with that. And we want you to ask us questions about how we're doing navigating these boundaries. But again, if you're constantly towing the line, you're going to find yourself crossing that line. And just, it doesn't make sense. Like there's so many studies now about shame and guilt and mm-hmm. the way that that plays into people's psyches about themselves and yeah. don't give the enemy an opportunity to enter that into your relationship. Yeah. Right. To define your relationship by that. Yeah. It's yeah. just, I have, is, and I mean, not to interrupt you, but I have seen physical boundaries tear people apart and tear relationships yeah. apart. And it's Absolutely. been a huge pain point for me personally in past relationships too, because when you set a boundary and then you cross it, there's so much like shame, even if you're yes. trying to keep it accountable, but there you're just like, you feel defeated yeah. and it can be, it's just a challenging cycle. And so I do believe that like the, those areas can be restored with really high accountability Mm -hmm. if people have um, gone further physically than they've desired. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's like to try to set yourself up for the best amount of success by doing those things, by keeping accountable to someone who's not just going to laugh and agree with you. Like, ah, that's okay. I did the same thing. Cause I agree. Like sometimes we find our accountability, we're like, oh, I'm being accountable. I'm just telling this, I'm telling people and they're all people that are kind of doing the same thing as you. (laughs) So, um, but tell someone who's actually going to call you out and you're going to know like, oh darn, that person's calling me right now. And I have to tell them the truth and where you just have to like, be like, wow, okay, I'm going to be honest. And with the time thing, I mean, it wouldn't even be a bad idea to tell one or two of your accountability partners, we're hanging out tonight. You have the free reign to call or text me after this hour to make sure that I'm not with that person anymore. Right. Yeah, that's a great idea. That's that's good. And the other thing too, on selecting an accountability partner, pick someone who you want to emulate, someone who's further along than you. Good. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't pick friends who are in that same season of your life. Find someone who you know is going to be able to challenge you because they're in a different position than you and who cares about you in the long run yeah like if we could do it over i would have asked his parents mm. as awkward as that may seem <laughs> it would have been so john and awkward. lisa please call us past 11 p.m and make sure that we yeah. are <laughs> or just to be like hey have you guys you know made yeah. out Are you you guys keeping it vertical? Are you keeping it vertical? Oh man, that would be hilarious. Oh my word. Yeah. And that's honestly, that's the language I use for my brothers. I'm like, so how are you doing? Are we keeping things vertical? And, and, and it's, you know, it's just safe language. And, and when, if the answer is no, then I know how to navigate that conversation. Totally. You know what the last thing I'll say, I, I love the boundaries talk, but the last thing I'll say that has worked that I've never shared before on air is, Um, I had in the past with someone a safe word. So meaning that if you're like kissing, let's say, and you agree on a word, like whatever the code word is, and basically it sounds silly, but (laughs) if the word was, if one of the the two individuals says the word, the other person has like a few minutes to leave the premise, like flee, right? Right. You said flee. So it would, it would be literally that we were like, we need to flee from temptation. So if one of the, (laughs) one of us said the, the, the word, it would be a few minutes and the other person would leave and we would both be under the understanding that it was not a rejection and it's right. not that we don't want to be there, but this is the very best and we are trying to flee from the right. temptation. And it worked. I mean, not every single time, but it was very, it was much more successful when we put that in place. As silly as it sounds for people, but you have to do what's right for you. Absolutely. Thank you guys and for like, sharing that yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, not to get all punny, but it really goes back to the heart of all this mm-hmm. because like, we had a friend who we navigated a season with and they had a rule, a rule yeah. 
a rule in their relationship that they didn't kiss. Yeah. Oh, wow. And they ended up doing everything but kissing. I mean, oh, wow. literally, literally everything but kissing. Wow. And so that's where it can't be about just rules, rules in and of themselves. They're not powerful enough. There has to be this compelling vision of, hey, this is what we're contending for in our relationship. That way, when you have those subtleties or nuances in the relationship or in physical dynamics that compromise that greater vision, you can identify it. You'd be like, yeah. hey, this might not technically fall under the rules that we set out or the boundaries that we set out, but this is a violation of our greater vision for our relationship. So yeah. good. Knowing the deep, true, a deeper why that is so yeah. important. Um, okay, you guys. So flash forward to today, you guys have such an inspiring, beautiful relationship and marriage. And um, so what are some of the things that looking back that maybe you wish you knew when you were dating or could impart wisdom to those who are currently dating, which is separate from, we asked another question at the end about small nugget, but is there anything that you wish like, oh man, I would have, I wish we had done that or that we know now about marriage that you would impart to us millennial or younger people dating? So in the dating or engagement season or both? Both, any, any of it, okay. like just from your journey that you maybe have experienced yeah. now that you're like, wow, I know this now about marriage or relationships and I, you know, maybe wish I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll share something on engagement. Do you want to share something on dating? Um, mine's kind of both like engaged and also early married, um, just expectations. Mm. Like I went into relationship and even family, just life with Addison. Yeah. But so many expectations that stole just a, a traumatic amount of joy mm. because everything was compared to those expectations. Yeah. Wow. So being very honest with yourself, you know, some of this is more internal than necessarily like, you know, there's some dialogue amongst one another involved, but just honest with yourself and with God, like what am I expecting? And is it realistic mm. for another human to fulfill why these things. Why don't you give some examples of some of those expectations that you had? Well, definitely on. being um, dating and engaged, it's all a part of the like wooing process, yeah. yeah, which is wonderful and fun. And it really isn't until recently seeing my brother-in-laws in that season that I've recognized that it's just so far from reality mm. and not in a like sad way, but just in a, like life. Yeah. yeah. Life you, happens. Exactly. You have budgeting, you have, um, you know, family dynamics come up that you navigate with one another yeah. and it's the tension. Mm -hmm. It's the iron sharpening iron. Yeah. A lot of that is not necessarily present in the every night you're going on dates and yeah. planning a wedding. Right. Which, and starry eyed yeah. for your engagement and yeah. you're like on cloud nine. So true. Yeah. Oh, completely. And the truth is like the depth that is now present is so, you know, I, I almost can't even put words to it. Mm. Like it is so beautiful and fulfilling and just a gift that I didn't even <laughs> you know, you don't know until you're in it, what yeah. it's going to be for your, for your life and for the call on your life, but letting those more um, like surfacey things mm. just hold a place of importance that they shouldn't. Mm. And seeing that, like, I don't know, I think it's even comparison with yourself, yeah. which sounds almost funny. Like 
when we were apart for nine months, um, Addison wrote me every single day. Wow. So I have this binder with letters. And to be honest, Kate, I still haven't even read it because oh, wow. I started when we were first married. <clears throat> yeah, sorry. <clears throat> I started when we were first married and it was so hard to um, listen to the way he like, <clears throat> he viewed me and uh, was excited. And then we were in early married, also pregnant. <laughs> wow. Like, we just we jumped into in life. Wow. We had a lot, a lot. I was like a 19 year old pregnant. Wow. So wow. <laughs> imagine like hormones yeah. and it was a lot. It was a pressure cooker. For sure. Hormones at 19 are really oh raging. My gosh, oh my goodness. It's like already they're bad. So add pregnancy to it. Um, but my point is it was hard for me to even read those letters then because I would look at them and I would compare them to us currently and be like, this is the guy who wants me to budget groceries. <laughs> like you don't really love me. Like that was just such a thief really yeah. recognizing, yeah. like looking back now, having the hindsight that I do, that expectations came in and, you know, it won't be that way for everyone, mm. but knowing that you go in with a preconceived idea of what your marriage is going to look like. A lot of it is formed by the marriages you've seen mm-hmm. or that you've perceived, which unfortunately with social media now, it's even to a greater degree. They're right. fake and it, it will steal so much. So I think even in dating, like if you have a guy who's wanting to you know, do life and have conversations. And you're like, well, why aren't you taking me to fancier restaurants or whatever? Yeah. Like there is always something that's going to try to steal from the goodness that yeah. is relationship. Mm. So and that's good. not even limited to guys and girls. Yeah. Like that's friendship. That's mm-hmm. you with your parents, you with peers, like don't let this comparison and expectation steal. Yeah. That's so powerful. I think that taps so clearly into, you know, how we just kind of want to fulfill things for happiness sometimes. And that's why we enter into relationships. And at the end of the day, I mean, it's not life is your life is never just going to be up here the whole time. That's not what the life we're promised, you know? And so life is about the hardship and growing through the hardship together and the pain. And so I completely agree with you about the expectations and it is hard with social media, with our consumeristic society. That's we're kind of trained to compare our lives and have these expectations for ourselves. But who at the end of the day, do you see yourself on a journey with for the kingdom to partner with, right? Like who is that person that you're like, even on the bad day, even on the day I don't want to see this person, I still want to partner with them because I know that together we're better for the kingdom. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great great perspective. Yeah. And, and the thing I would share is Paul, he uses an engagement ring metaphor in Ephesians when he's describing this new life in Christ that we have. And the reality is when you're engaged or when you know you want to spend the rest of your life with someone, there's this weird tension because you feel like you're committed and you're married, but you're not yet Hmm. there in reality. And so it's an awkward season. And I think a lot of people aren't prepared for how awkward that season is, particularly the season of engagement. Because when we look at it, we think of all the planning and the celebration and all the fun things that go into engagement, but it's, it's awkward. Transitions are awkward. Mm. And, and in order for something new to be 
born, something old has to die. In order to go north, you have to reject south. And so a lot of people go into that engagement season thinking like, I'm going to have it all. I'm going to have everything that I once had. And I'm also going to have this new thing, this new marriage. And again, it goes back to that consumeristic mentality. I can have everything. My Western world tells me I can have it all. And the reality is when you enter that season of marriage, it very much is a dying to the old life. And that doesn't mean that you don't have great relationships and all of that, but there's a newness. And with that newness comes death. But what's so cool is there's a rebirth. Mm -hmm. And so all of those relationships are reanimated in your next season in this new context and there's strength and there's beauty and there's harmony that comes out in this next season. It just looks different than it once did. And so I would tell people it's a, it's an awkward transition. I know for me, like navigating relationships with my brothers and with my parents and with friends through all of that, it was very different. It was different Mm -hmm. than what I expected. But now 10 years later, those relationships, whether it's with family or friends, they're much stronger than they ever were. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, it's so good. Okay, this the, I love this conversation today, and I'm so grateful for you guys and your time and imparting so much wisdom to us. And the listeners love hearing from couples, and you guys are absolutely a stellar couple. And so we kind of like, you know, answered the question a bit more in detail. But at the end of every episode, I ask every guest um, if you could impart just like one small nugget of dating advice, what would it be? One small nugget. What do you think? I would say look for someone who is – absolutely committed to growth. Mm, I love that. And I would say, look for someone who sees you not just as you are, but as you could and you should be. Mm -hmm. So good. It's like calling out the gold in someone, you know? Yeah. Yeah, But, but in that, and it's not like a false sense of optimism. It's just like they, they see things in you and they're willing to speak to that. Yeah. They're willing to challenge you. Mm Mm-hmm. So good. They're willing to put the work in to see it come to pass. Right. To and get be, involved. Yeah. To like be the refining fire. Right. Mm. Like I know that's what we've been in each other's life. Absolutely. Like, and, and it's not fun conversation. No. And yeah. it's usually really long, drawn out. We revisit conversations. Yeah. And it can be scary. And that's the thing with intimacy. It comes from the Latin intimir, which is interfere. So, Ooh, yeah. so really, really great relationships require that dive into fear. Yeah. And, and what we fear is we fear being alone. We fear not being worthy. We fear not having purpose. And so when you get into those conversations with someone that you're dating, obviously at the appropriate time, and you see how they navigate those with you and how they view you and they champion the person, not just who you are, but who you will be. Yeah. And that's powerful. That's, that's someone you want to lay your life down for. So awesome. Let's just like, woo, throw that one down right there, you guys. So good. Gosh, this conversation has been so enriching, so life-giving. I I just can guarantee that it's been so encouraging to the listener. So I just want to thank you guys for all of your advice, for all of your wisdom, for sharing your story. And I just cannot wait to see what good comes out of this and for um, the stories of people surviving long distance and kind of looking at their relationships differently, maybe setting different boundaries in place. So I'm really excited about all the things we went over today and just could not thank you guys more. Oh, thank you Absolutely. so much. Okay. And thank you for having us on here. And thank you for what you do. Yeah. Thank, thank you for creating a space for people to have these conversations and to reach out to people in this season. It's amazing. So thank you. And Using your story out. and stepping out. It's, yeah. 
it's awesome because you're in this season. It's one thing yes. to talk about it. Yeah, it's one thing to talk about. Oh, long ago when I navigated this, but you're long, in long it. ago in a faraway galaxy. <laughs> yeah. like Star Wars. And, and that's awesome that you're bringing people into your journey like this and, yeah. and giving context and tools and perspective. It's amazing. Thank you. I always say, I'm like, you know, if people stop listening tomorrow, which I hope doesn't happen, but if it does, I would still be so grateful because I've been so enriched by the conversations and personally I'm learning so much and I've been able to meet and talk with such wonderful people like you guys. So it's such a joy to really do this. So thank you for those words of encouragement and advocacy and just so excited. Absolutely. It's our pleasure. All right. Bye guys. Bye. Bye. Dang, Addison and Julie, that was some rich wisdom right there. So impressed and blessed. Okay, that rhymed, but I could not be more thankful for all that they shared. They dropped golden nuggets right, left, and center, but here are some of my favorites. In terms of discipline, they said, discipline is exchanging a short-term negative for a long-term positive. You need to know your why. When you don't have a compelling why, discipline is just work. No one wants work without gain. So you have to have perspective, a compelling why for the relationship of what your life could look like in order to embrace discipline. Otherwise, it just ends up being work. That's so good, friends. We need to learn the importance and impact of discipline on our lives. And it's funny because we can also relate all of this kind of spiritual discipline to the discipline involved with physical boundaries. Make sure you have a compelling why and make sure to get an accountability partner that won't just laugh it off with you. Be real about your intentions. If you want to find them, you can go to their Instagrams at at Addison Bevere and at Juliana Bevere. I cannot be more thankful for your support of the Heart of Dating podcast. I am blown away by your rankings, reviews, messages, all of it. If you want to be a part of our inner circle and support what we are doing, we encourage you to pledge any dollar amount that you want on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash heart of dating. Also, if you like this podcast, would you please consider giving us a review? It helps us immensely and we cannot thank you more. Until next time, friends. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.